Hello and welcome back to the sixth episode of the Tough Take Podcast. I'm Zach Green. And I'm Luca DeLosta. In today's episode, we will be giving our picks on the NFL playoff divisional round, having a chat with Mr. Ryan Dimmick about the recruiting process, college football, and where he got how he got to where he is today. And then we'll talk about a unusual sport that we found. Let's get right into it. All right, let's kick it off with the first game of this divisional weekend with the Cincinnati Bengals, my team, traveling down to Nashville, Tennessee to face the Tennessee Titans with the return of King Henry. Luca, who do you like in this game? You see, we have a $10 bet on this game, and I got the Titans. I'm a strong believer that if Derrick Henry's playing, the Titans are a very strong team, but their defense is their one problem, their pass defense. Personally... You know me, I like the Bengals in this game. I really like Joe Burrow, how he's playing. The Bengals are 9-2, and two and he has a rating over 100. Over the past five or six weeks, no turnovers from the offense, and that's been a big part of this, mistake-free football. I think he gets on track with Jamar Chase and the other receivers early, and I think the Bengals go home and take this one back. Joe Shiesty looking real good right now. But how about the second game, the 49ers versus the Green Bay Packers in Lambeau Field? I think the 49ers can pull this one off. Maybe, just maybe. They are a sneaky good team in in these playoffs. I think some people underestimate how good they are. They are a pound the football team with the good play action. And then, you know, you have Debo Samuel back there. He can do it all. Last week we saw him pass touchdowns. He can catch them, and he can easily run them in. Again, I'm going against you here. I have the Packers winning. They're on a bye. Aaron Rodgers resting. Devontae Adams well, no, Devontae Adams, obviously best receiver in the league, but he's up for a challenge with Emmanuel Mosley, who's allowed zero touchdowns this year. And then they got returns of players such as possibly Jair Alexander. They have Zadarius Smith just got confirmed coming back. David Bakhtiari, who played in Week 18, is obviously there. And their defense is just a lot better. But I, I have the Packers here. Let's move on to the first game on Sunday at 3. Rams and Bucks. This is, I think the Rams have this one on the, I think the Rams have this one. Mike Evans was, of course, the main target last week. I think the Bucks can get Gronk involved, that they will have a good chance. And with the addition of Leonard Fournette. But I think the Rams coming off this, that big win versus the Cardinals, I think they continue their success. And I think Cooper Cup, OBJ, and I think their defense really gets after Tom Brady. Again, I know you're not supposed to go against Tom Brady in the playoffs, but I am. I'm with you. I think the Rams win this. I do think Mike Evans is going to get a lot of targets, but Jalen Ramsey, Mike Evans, great matchup to watch. Now the last matchup of the week, and I think the best, the rematch of last year's AFC Championship game and this year when the Bills won 38-20. Bills at Arrowhead Stadium to face the Kansas City Chiefs. Playoff, Patty Mahomes. Who do you like here? I got to go with the Bills. The Bills have been playing great football, obviously best defense in the league against a lethal pass offense. And Josh Allen's just been getting it done as of lately. And I just really like the Bills in this matchup. Patrick Mahomes was too. And I like I like the Chiefs. I think they can get an early start. Last In last year's AFC Championship game, they went down 14 nothing and they clawed their way back. I think their defense can try to get off to Josh Allen. I think they have a good chance in this game. It would just be a question is, can the Chiefs' pass rush get 
pressure to Josh Allen on a very strong offensive line that is surrounding Josh Allen. I think we can both agree these divisional games are good. Yeah, there's no game like last week where it's Bucks, Eagles, or, well, the Rams game wasn't expected, but it was a blowout. I think they're all going to be close. Now let's shift over into our interview with Ryan Demick. And we'd like to welcome our first guest on this show, Mr. Ryan Dimmick. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? We're doing good. Uh, Ryan Dimmick is a Spanish teacher at a high school, a local high school. And he played college football at Muhlenberg College in Pennsylvania. And we'd like to just sit down and have a little conversation about college football, the recruiting process, student life, and kind of how you got to where you are today. Sounds great. Sounds good to me. What was your first real experience in the sports world? Uh, so I've been playing sports for as long as I can imagine, uh, for as long as I can remember. Um, my dad was a college baseball player. Uh, my mom was a big-time athlete back in high school. Uh, and so ever since I could walk, um, I've had a baseball bat. I've had a soccer ball. Uh, but the earliest memory probably has to be soccer or swim team. Uh, those were pretty young. Uh, and then baseball was soon after. Um, and I didn't start playing football until I was maybe 11 or 12. Um, so I definitely have a lot of early childhood memories running around with the baseball bat, soccer ball, a tennis racket, golf clubs, uh, whatever I could get my hands on. So it seems like you've played almost every sport, but is football really your favorite out of all of them? It is. Um, and I, it wasn't always my favorite. Um, growing up, I always thought that it would be baseball um, or maybe even wrestling. Uh, but football, and I tell people this all the time, when I play football, I just felt different. Um, I felt like that's where I belonged. That's where I felt the happiest. That's where I felt like I fit in the most. Uh, and that's where I also envisioned myself spending the most time. Uh, and so even though I loved baseball, uh, that was always my best sport. Football was where I felt the most comfortable uh, and definitely where I had the most fun as well. Yeah, we can see that in your uh, stats. What was your <laughs> what was your recruiting process really like? Uh, so the recruiting process was awesome. It was super exciting uh, just to see all those years of hard work finally come to fruition um, to really sort of validate how much hard work I'd put in um, through some external validation, right? That these people are coming to me and they're saying, I want you to be a part of something that I've that I've been building. Uh, really made me feel great. Um, it was also humbling at times as well uh, in that everyone thinks, oh, I'm going to go Division One. I'm going to play at Maryland or Penn State. Um, but in reality, uh, that's such a small percentage of people uh, that that was humbling for me as well. Uh, I remember in sixth grade, I did a project about what my future would look like. And I said, 10 years from now, when I'm 22 years old, I'm going to win the Heisman Trophy. Uh, and then to go through high school and to go through the recruiting process uh, and only even talk to a few smaller Division I schools uh, really sort of um, made me reconsider and reframe 
uh, a lot of the things that I was hoping to accomplish. Uh, but like I said, it was very humbling. Uh, and then it also allowed me uh, to sort of focus in on uh, some of the things that I needed to develop uh, and set some realistic goals uh, and standards for myself. Um, but the recruiting process was awesome. Um, during senior year of high school, I uh, pretty much was talking to at least one or two coaches a day uh, for maybe about two or three months. Uh, I was missing one or two classes every single day uh, to go talk to coaches, some from big schools, um, some from schools that I had never even heard of, uh, and sort of everything in between. Uh, and so the recruiting process was a lot of fun. It really opened my eyes to a lot of opportunities, which was uh, incredible. Uh, and it really allowed me to connect with some awesome people as well, uh, some coaches with whom I'm still in contact today uh, and even talking to some of them about some coaching opportunities as well. Uh, so it really was super beneficial for me uh, and a lot of fun as well. So it's, it, it seems like the recruiting process is very time consuming and it's a process where you really have to want it. But mm -hmm. I understand that looking at a college is not just sports. And what did you look for outside of sports in a college? Absolutely. Uh, so it definitely was super uh, demanding, super time consuming for sure. Um, when I was in middle school, uh, the doctor told me that I was projected to be, you know, six foot one, six foot two, uh, which obviously I did not uh, turn out to be. I'm only about five, eight now. Um, so I really started looking at schools and I'd say about eighth or ninth grade. Um, and I knew that I wanted um, a school that was really high in academic uh, standing um, that would push me in the classroom as well as on the field. Uh, so starting in about middle school or early in high school, uh, I was looking at a lot of um, schools that had football programs as well as really good academics. Uh, and then as I went through high school uh, and I realized, okay, maybe some of these top tier division one football teams might not be for me. I started to look at schools that still had that high academic standard uh, while maybe a little bit lower uh, of a uh, competition level for football. Um, and so as I went through, I'd say the academics uh, and the ability to play football, regardless of whether or not that was division one, division two or division three, those were the two things that I was looking for. Uh, and then as I really got into some of the final schools, as I was making my decision between uh, some of my, um, you know, top choices, then it really just came down to, uh, to me just nitpicking. Um, and it was, oh, I really like the location of this place. Uh, I really like the people that I met at this place. I really like some of the opportunities, the resources afforded to me at another place. Uh, and so that's ultimately why I picked Muhlenberg. Uh, it was really a great school academically. Uh, it was an excellent football program. I loved the location. Uh, it really fit everything that I was looking for in terms of people, and campus lifestyle. Uh, and then it also afforded me some great opportunities in the people uh, with whom I'd be able to network while I was in college, uh, as well as extending beyond college life as well. Uh, so it really was a long process. I'd say it was about a five or six year process of filtering through, looking at hundreds, if not, you know, thousand schools uh, and really narrowing down into, okay, this is exactly what I'm looking for. Uh, and this is a school that checks off all of, uh, and if not all of, most of the boxes that I'm looking for.
So we can see how well you excelled academically, making the dean list seven semesters. But, you know, some high school athletes don't really take classes seriously. How, is, how important is it to keep your grades up? I think that's the most important thing, right? Uh, my college coach was awesome with that. Uh, he always would say, you guys are student athletes. You're not athlete students. Uh, and at some point, uh, your football career is going to come to an end. And what is it that you have after football? right? You need to have a backup plan, especially, uh, as I said before, very few kids will go on to play division one football and far fewer kids will go on to play in the NFL. And so it's all about preparing yourself and creating a future for yourself outside of football. Uh, and so for me, that's always been something uh, that I've been reminded of. Uh, my dad was a major league baseball prospect he unfortunately got hurt during his senior year uh, and he had to go into something other than baseball. And so he's always preached that to me uh, that academics always come first, uh, that I needed to prepare myself uh, for a life that didn't involve football or didn't involve playing football for a lot of money. Um, and so that was always something uh, that was preached to me by my parents uh, and then my coaches in college as well. Uh, and we actually had um, academic standards on the team. Uh, if you didn't have a certain GPA, you had to go to study hall. Uh, if you didn't have a certain GPA, uh, you would actually not be allowed to play in some of our games. Uh, and that was our coach's decision. Our coaches really felt like we're going to build a successful program, and that stems first uh, from being successful in the classroom. And I've heard that you're a student athlete as well from high school coaches that I have been working with. But I want to know, how did you manage school, football, and a social life in college? It was tough. It was definitely tough, uh, especially as I went through college uh, and saw a lot of my friends who couldn't balance that. Um, as I went through college, I'd say about half of my friends on the football team uh, found that that balance didn't work for them. Uh, and so they ended up quitting football, um, unfortunately. Uh, but what I really will attribute a lot of that to uh, is just that growing up, um, my mom, my dad, uh, and then all my teachers at school, uh, I did go to school uh, around here um, at a really, really good school. Uh, and so my parents, my teachers, they always pushed the importance of school and extracurriculars uh, and how school can benefit you in your extracurriculars and how your extracurriculars can benefit you in your schooling as well. Uh, and so I always found that balance to be important. I always thought that having the two of those in my life simultaneously uh, would be beneficial to me. Uh, and I actually felt like football helped me in school. Uh, I always did a lot better in school uh, in the months in which I was in season uh, because it really made me structure my time. Uh, it really gave me something to work towards, um, knowing that the coach was checking my grades constantly knowing that the teachers and the professors were in communication with my coaches and with the athletic director. Uh, and so I always felt like football really gave me a reason to excel in school. Uh, and then socially, uh, football, for the most part, was a lot of my social life. Uh, and even in high school, my other sports were my social life. And that was a, just a decision that I made. I felt like these kids uh, that I'm playing sports with, uh, they're similar to me. Uh, they have goals similar to mine. So those are the types of kids that I want to hang out with. Uh, and then a lot of those kids uh, still are some of my best friends to this day. And then as I got to college, it really um, just sort of allowed me to extend my network a little bit as well. Uh, that I came into college uh, on the first day already having, you know, 115 teammates 
uh, who were not only uh, teammates, but they were also friends on college campus as well. And so that really allowed me to extend myself uh, to meet a lot of interesting people uh, and really connect with a lot of folks uh, all over campus and through the community. We know there are some welcome to the NFL moments with big hits, but did you have a welcome to a college football moment? Uh, I think my welcome to college football moment uh, was probably in practice. Um, so I played quarterback all four years of high school. I uh, had a pretty successful career at quarterback. Um, and then when I got to college, I unfortunately got hurt playing baseball. I was going to play college baseball as well. Um, so I switched positions my freshman year. Um, just temporarily, the coach said, you know, we already have a bunch of quarterbacks. I don't want to have to sit you for a year. Why don't you just play defense? You can learn about defense, and then your sophomore year, you'll come back to the offensive side. Um, so I got moved to defense, uh, and on my first day, I was doing something, uh, and I messed up in mid-play. I mean, we're doing 11 on 11. It's full go in practice. My first, first day, I'm um, doing something, and I hear the coach, he's this old guy, gimmick you idiot. He starts screaming at me and I come off the field and he's like, man, I don't want to ever see you again. Get off my field. So he made me leave the field. Uh, I walked actually outside of the gate uh, and he made me stand kind of up in the bleachers where the student section was. Um, and then he came over to the fence and was like, you know what? I don't even want you in my stadium. Get out of my stadium. So I left the stadium uh, and I had to watch practice from outside of the gate through the tunnel onto the field. Then he actually came up to the gate and said, you know what? I don't even want you anywhere near my stadium. And he told me to go join the soccer team. Uh, and he said, you know what? If you can't handle college football, if you don't know what you're doing, maybe soccer uh, is a better sport for you where you don't have to remember all these plays. Uh, and then I came in the next morning. We had a meeting at 6 a.m. the next day. I came in. Uh, and he pulled me aside and he said, you know what? I'm glad you didn't quit. Glad you're still here. I just wanted to test, uh, test you and see what you're made of. Um, but that was definitely sort of a welcoming moment for me um, in that that really sort of opened my eyes uh, to that college football was very, very different from high school football, um, that I was really going to have to be on top of my game um, at every single second, right? That at any, at any given point in time, um, that roster spot could be taken from me. Uh, that there were always people right behind me uh, sort of pushing um, a little bit. Uh, and so that was, that was definitely a moment for me. Um, and then I'd say, you know, sophomore year, I returned to playing quarterback. Uh, and I first game of the season, I uh, rolled out. Um, in high school, you know, I'd, I'd run away from defensive linemen like it was nothing. And I start running, and this big boy, probably 300-pounder, starts catching up to me and just absolutely rings my bell. Uh, and I remember thinking then, like, all right, like, this is the big leagues now. I'm really going to have to step it up. Uh, and so I'd say those two moments for me uh, really kind of welcomed me to college football for sure. And now I, I want to switch over to kind of how you got to where you are today as a Spanish teacher. Mm -hmm. And obviously you still coach at your school. Mm -hmm. Um, so growing up, I, uh, actually went to, uh, through a program, um, I went to a school at which I was the only, um, white student at my school, uh, in preschool. And I was through this initiative that was trying to diversify the public school system, uh, and really sort of, um, create a nice blend of students uh, in a community uh, that was pretty stratified. Uh, and so 
growing up, starting when I was maybe four or five years old, I had a lot of friends who solely spoke Spanish. Uh, and so I started learning Spanish from them. Uh, and then my mom and dad uh, thought that was incredible. And they entered a lottery for me to go to a Spanish immersion school. Uh, and so from kindergarten through fifth grade, I was fortunate enough to be in a Spanish immersion program uh, right outside of Washington, DC. It was at a public school, uh, which was fantastic. And so my entire school day growing up uh, was solely taught in Spanish. Um, and then from middle school on, uh, I was usually taking about two or three courses a day in Spanish, um, usually a history or a math, uh, in addition to my Spanish classes. And so I've been taking Spanish classes ever since I was about uh, you know, five or six years old, uh, but really been engaged with the language uh, ever since I was even younger than that, uh, maybe two or three years old when I started preschool. Uh, and then as I got into college, um, I'd been doing it for so long, I sort of lost interest in it. Um, and then I was taking college class. Uh, one of my coaches actually recommended one of the Spanish professors at my school. I had an excellent uh, experience with him. It was fantastic. And he recommended that I pursue it. Uh, and as I kept going through, uh, I was fortunate to have some pretty incredible professors. Uh, and I ended up doing a student teaching experience at a school where I used a lot of Spanish. And I thought to myself, you know what, I really like this. Uh, I really like the opportunities that I have to connect with kids uh, through a world language, uh, through a language that's not necessarily native uh, to either of us. Uh, I thought that was a really unique opportunity to connect uh, with the community, uh, with the students. Um, and as I started doing it, I really thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, I really could not imagine a better job. Uh, and especially because of the fact that it affords me the opportunity to continue to coach football as well, um, so that I can really pair the two things that I'm passionate about, uh, which is football uh, and academics, uh, and connecting with people through academics and football. Uh, the fact that all of those have now come together and, and culminated in this pretty, uh, you know, fantastic job has really been a blessing. One final one here. Is there anything you could tell players in high school right now? Definitely take care of the greats. Um, I have a couple friends from high school who were much better football players than I was. Uh, but unfortunately, they could not continue to the next level uh, because of greats. Um, so the number one thing that I would say is definitely great. Uh, but the second thing um, is just believe in yourself, right? I think nowadays so much of what we're looking for um, is I need somebody else to validate me. I need to post my highlights on Twitter and see how many retweets I get. I need to put my stuff on TikTok and see how many likes I get. It's all about division one offers and this and that and other thing. But none of that matters if you don't believe in yourself, right? And I think I struggled in college because I got there and I had a couple rude awakening moments um, and I realized that I didn't necessarily have the confidence that I used to. Uh, and that as I started to struggle, uh, especially in my first year, uh, that I wasn't playing the same and I also wasn't thinking the same. Uh, and so I definitely say to kids, if there's gonna be one person in the world who believes in you, you gotta make that you. Uh, because once you lose that faith in yourself, once you lose that positive relationship with yourself, uh, you're not going to be able to develop that uh, with anyone else. If you don't believe in yourself, nobody else will. Uh, so that would definitely be my, my second recommendation for students. Uh, student athletes looking to play sports, uh, whether it's youth, high school, college, or even beyond, uh, is take care of the grades first, 
Uh, believe in yourself, and then everything else will take care of itself. Those are two very great points that I can strongly agree with, and I assume most people will too. But that's about all we have time for awesome. today. Right. And we just want to say a huge thank you for taking time out of your day to speak with us and give a little insight on what you have. Of course. Yeah, thank you guys for talking. This was awesome. All right, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'll see you guys. Take care. And now to an unusual sport, netball. What is it, Luca? Netball is a sport that was recognized as a sport by the International Olympic Committee in 1995. It is a sport in which two teams made up of seven players each play what is essentially a backboardless basketball. How strange. Now, Zach, what is the goal? The object of the game is to throw a leather or rubber ball into a ring or hoop that is 10 feet off the ground. The winning team is the team that scores the most goals in a 60-minute amount of time. What about the players? Now, the players actually have different positions, and that determines what their role on the team is and restricts what players' movement and specific areas of the court they are limited to. A player can't move when having the ball, and if you have the ball, you have only three seconds before you have to pass it or shoot it. This kind of gives me vibes of Ultimate Frisbee. Now, where and by who is it commonly played? Netball is played by over 20 million in more than 80 countries, with some popular ones being New Zealand, Australia, England, and Jamaica. The sport is predominantly played by women, and is actually the most popular women's sport in Australia. Are there any big competitions? Actually, there is. Australia's major competition for netball is the Suncorp Super Netball. That sounds interesting. Yeah, a sport I think more people should look into. And now to the inter- to our interesting fact. Did you know that MLB umpires must wear black underwear so that their pants rip? It isn't noticeable. Now that's strange, but it's something I've actually never thought of. But it's true. Like, what happens if they just wore white underwear? Like, you just see a white spot. Now to my game of the week. Sunday, I have the Jazz at the Warriors. Can Curry and Clay get back on track versus the Red Hot Jazz? And for my matchup, I have Debo Samuel versus the Green Bay defense. Will he continue to roam free? Now those are some good matchups and games of the week, but mine is my game of the week is number 13 LSU at number 24 Tennessee men's college basketball. Can LSU's elite defense stop the Volunteers' attempt at winning two in a row for the first time since December 22nd, 2021? Now, my matchup of the week is the Memphis Grizzlies defense who leads the league in steals versus the Dallas Mavericks offense, which is third lowest in turnovers. This is, that should be a great game. Thank you. It's been Zacharine. Luca DeLosta. Thank you for listening.